Now you act convinced. I guess it makes sense. Wu Tang, yo, so represent. I wait for one to act up. Now I got him backed up to his neck now. React what? And that's one in the chamber. Wu Tang banger. 36 styles of danger. Continue podcast. Yes. Continue. Do you guys ever realize that Al Pacino? is just if Ed McMahon smoked a lot of cigarettes. I realized the other day no. when when we'll get to this man, we'll get to the man Tony Gilroy, the showrunner of Andor, but uh he also wrote The Devil's Advocate. <laughs> <laughs> and my wife has never seen The Devil's Advocate, so I was trying to explain to her what the end of that movie is like. And you got to be like, "Ah, yeah, there's nothing you can get on this planet that you can't get from copious amounts of chocolate. He's an absentee landlord! It's just Ed McMahon, but you put smoker gravel on it. That's it. Um, my name is Anthony John Agnello, and this show is about video games. We promise. <laughs> uh, two other criminals are responsible for committing this crime with me. We have Susan Arndt. I was about to complain and say i am not a criminal but that's uh, untrue so i'll just go hi instead smooth criminal <laughs> so, I, I, no also no. No. no 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 i have was it okay wait i well this is perhaps stupid to ask you anthony but david i would like to know <laughs> was it like as as teenagers growing up we committed a lot of crimes and i'm not sure if that's normal or not i mean whoa why is it just assumed that i committed all kinds of crimes because i've known you for 10 years i think the the type of crime shifted with the advent of the internet because like i wasn't i was not like shoplifting right but I was downloading MP3s off of Napster like oh, a motherfucker. Well, sure, sure, yeah. sure, 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 sure. I don't, I don't count that though. I don't. I really don't. No, I mean like fuck you, Metallica. That doesn't count, right? Like, well, here's the thing. Like, it was, it was. I'm not even going to go off about Napster, but anyway, no, no. I mean more like you know the stealing of street signs, the mm-hmm, vandalism, mm-hmm, the, yeah. the, the the shoplifting, the. Have have I ever Pipe expli- have I ever told you guys the story of when uh, I I was the cause of an entire organization of Christian Brothers Academy having to apologize to a McDonald's franchise? <laughs> ever tell you? Do you guys know this one? <laughs> not this, this, not this specific one. No. So, so, uh, my little band of fucking ne'er-do-wells uh in the mid 90s we were in high school we between the christian brothers academy in syracuse and the local graveyard you can't get much more like 90s teenager than this That's true yeah there was like this expanse of woods and this forest is where we practiced as uh, a cross-country team and one day I like announced the team like we're going and we're going to create a shrine to our glory. And so instead of doing our practice, we went and found a cosp in the middle of the woods and just filled it with all like the stolen road signs that we had found and like cast off junk from the old gym at the school. And so this started a like this was legit Fagan territory. 
Yeah. We, See, I yeah. want to judge, but I would have done that too. Right. Yeah. Like full on artful Dodger shit. Yeah. So there is a ski trip in March of 1998 to Smuggler's Notch. No part of this is made up. All of these proper nouns are real. We go to Smuggler's, Smuggler's Notch. Yeah. Notch. No, yeah. Is that not? And, yeah. Hey, not everybody's from the Northeast. Oh, they, right. They, right, they, right, they, right. they don't have our. our I thought our, that one was like, a pretty well known one. Okay, I'm sorry. Pretty known one. Yeah. So. We're at Smuggler's Notch, and I'm sorry. Th- this is the spring of nineteen ninety. It 1990- sounds like, a, like we were talking about, like before the show about like 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 barbecue terms. It sounds like a sex act. It, it does. does. It does. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta find, you settle on your safe word before you go to the Smuggler's oh Notch. Fucking so, god, he, he was such an asshole. But the things he did with his Smuggler's Notch. Oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> so this is spring of 98 and you like this is like just after the special editions of star wars were out okay and the little like at the mountain the 50 person movie theater is showing the special editions to like the school groups that are there and they have all these cardboard standouts of oh boy star wars characters so i'm like we're gonna get that fucking yoda that's our fucking yoda it's going in the shrine in the woods Not it's gonna live there forever well, Jar Jar didn't exist yet. He wouldn't exist for another year. <gasps> oh, right, 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 right. Okay, okay. Yep. So, like, we're, we're doing it. We're going to get this Yoda, and we're planning it so that we're going to get on the bus. We have to plan the the heist. Oh, my God. And we set up, because we were all runners, we set up a legit relay team from, <laughs> from the theater to the bus. And... It's anchored by my friend Paul. Paul gets it, and he's about to hand it off to me for the last leg to get there. And Mogul Mouse, the the mascot of the entire mountain, sees us and tackles this child. And we're like, oh, fuck, Mogul Mouse got him. Everybody, abandon the plan. We have to get on the bus. So we all get on the bus. And we, we're heartbroken. We've been defeated. We did not get Yoda. And that's when the bus pulls into the Brattleboro, Vermont McDonald's. Oh, boy. There are 75 children in this McDonald's, all ordering shamrock shakes at the exact same time. And we're just like, all right, well, clean them out, boys. <laughs> So one kid took like the like slippery when wet sign. One kid took like the like you know fry guy's surface of a high chair, but the piece de resistance <laughs> was I went up, I like pushed to the front of the crowd and went to every register going, I'll have a 20-piece McNuggets, unvelcro. I'll take a 20-piece McNuggets on velcro i'll take a 20 piece mcnuggets and i ran out of the mcdonald's with an eight foot long banner for disney's the hunchback of notre dame <laughs> like it was a flag in a revolution <laughs> and so the former vice principal of our school gets onto the bus and there's a fucking eight foot banner <laughs> Of the Hunchback of Notre Dame, there's like a slippery when wet thing, just fucking shit 
all over the back of this bus like a fucking set from Hook. And we're just like, hey, Mr. Mitchell. And he just starts laughing. He's just like, I hate you guys so much. I hate you so much. And so, look, I'm not going to defend McDonald's because, you know, fuck McDonald's. But... You have to remember that a, a McDonald's is still run by a human being. Yep. Somebody yeah, operates like normal that people yeah. who have to wake up at like four in the morning yep. and put up with your bullshit. Mm-hmm. Right. And like, they, <laughs> so they called the school and they were like, hey, everything's fine, but like, you stole the banner for like our entire month long promotion of a Disney thing and they don't give us more than that. <laughs> So I had to help pen a written apology on behalf of the Christian Brothers of De La Salle, <laughs> expressing our true regret. And I like I once I realized that like that I was mm. like I feel really bad. Like I didn't steal from a faceless corporation right. with billions of dollars. Like this impacted a person, and it was a teachable moment. That banner is still buried in the woods between that school and that cemetery still i went back and checked at the spot where i buried it in tupperware it remained i was gonna say i smell like a 2000s era indie movie plot brewing where you (laughs) and your friends world like you know aged and world weary get together and go on a pilgrimage to see if that banner is still there and hijinks ensue like the shack yeah, the and shins it and play, return it. Yeah, yeah. We find the shins the plays manager. over as you're driving down the highway. You know, it, Zach Braff is in it. It, mm-hmm. it it often, I mean, it makes sense, and yet also worries me how well we would have gotten along in high school. It's really <laughs> Susan. I stand by it. Years ago, I tweeted a picture of Trent Reznor and David Bowie on the set of I'm Afraid of Americans, (laughs) like, looking fucking awesome, and I was like, yep, there's me and Susan. (laughs) (laughs) Alternate, alternate, (laughs) there's us hanging, hanging back behind, after tech rehearsal, at, uh, what, Guys and Dolls? Yeah. Was, yeah, like, whatever the musical was at school. (laughs) Cheaper by the dozen, whatever it is. Yeah. Come on, great heists? Any great heists? And, like, no? No great heists you guys want to cop to? I mean, it's not... Well, I mean, we got the traffic light, but... <laughs> like a full yellow traffic light? Oh, yeah, light? like the full, the full, like, red, yellow, green traffic light. But half the work was done for us because it was already on the ground. Okay, sure. So sure. we just had to... You, but take still, it. <laughs> you gotta take. You gotta take it. Yeah, that's, that's not easy. And you know, and obviously, you know, did. all you do is you put on like an orange vest, <laughs> like or like one of the like. You, no one's gonna ask questions. Oh no! Like okay, that that while there are high school children who can pass for adults, that was not us. <laughs> no, no, we at every step of the way looked like infants. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I should... I it, One last detail of all of that was I was wearing my ski outfit for that entire weekend, which was a full bodysuit, uh, like, 
racing ski thing. Like, you know, like, you know, the literally a superhero outfit. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A superhero outfit, but with like basketball shorts over it because the crotch had been ripped and just a long, long, long trench coat over it like straight up like robert downey jr and back to school yep like yeah yep i was gonna go more with lloyd dobler and say anything but like, yes. little, little 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 lloyd dobler yep. like sa- same color and everything sure. well so, obviously. yeah there obviously. you go yes it is video games it is, <laughs> it is genuinely stunning a that neither of us ended up in jail uh and b managed to find spouses managed to find yeah spouses and and love and i like I, every now and again, uh, like, somebody will be like, oh, wow, you must, like, this seems like you've had good luck. I'm just like, have you ever tried being a white male? Uh, <laughs> guys, I got to tell you, unbeatable. Like, it's yeah. just. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I gave it a go. Didn't work out for me. Um, yeah. So I'm. <laughs> I tried. I fucking tried. You know. R- related. That's actually, I can't believe that transition's going to work so well. Ha, okay, so just before recording the show, uh, I was able to get the Street Fighter VI closed beta functioning on my PlayStation 5. Uh, I'm not going to be, you guys want to know about the uh, all the fight frames, the frame animations? What, and how's, the, what's the, the fight money situation? And the fight money? Okay, fight there is no fucking currency there's no mention of dlc there's no mention of battle passes you fire this thing up and the first thing that happens is eternity appears and eternity is a male presenting hyper queer black gentleman wearing nothing but bike shorts and a spangly blue sport coat and a bow tie and pink lipstick i love it already and Eternity says, welcome to Street Fighter 6 and the Battle Hub, and you can do whatever you want. You can fight, you can party, and it flashes to him dancing and you making your own character avatar to explore the Battle Hub. And I was like, it's happening. It's happening. Did, Street Fighter. Ruby Rod and Street Fighter? Yes, <laughs> literally. It's literally, it's literally Ruby Rod. That's so and great. I, I'm like, is this... What is this beautiful dream that's taken place? And so, before it sets you out into, like, this arcade, uh, like, PlayStation Home, but realized well, it actually runs and you just loads instantaneously. Like and you PlayStation can walk Home, around, but functional. But functional. Uh, you make your own avatar to explore this area. And in the final Street Fighter Six, you will use this avatar in, like, a full free roaming open like th- like three-dimensional game called world tour where you explore the city from the old final fight games and you can build them up to be your own fighter so you'll like go meet chun li and chun li will tell- teach you how to do the spinning bird kick and ryu will teach you how to throw a fireball if you want to do that and you can like customize your person in the beta it's just the fight place where you go and you can meet up with people and participate in tournaments ostensibly they're testing out netcode right they're just testing netcode and honestly once i got in it worked really well so when i the first thing it shows me when eternity finishes their monologue it kicks me to the character creator character creator 
defaults to a black character. I love I that to start with. Just love I don't, it. I don't think I've ever seen that in my entire life in a AAA game. And the first toggle it presents you with says gender identity. And I was like, this is really nice because the options are male, female, human. And that's just what's there. And I was like, tight. I'm going to pick one. And then clearly it's going to uh, let me start to customize my character from there. And I was like, I want to make like, uh, like, you know, uh, uh, an older woman as my avatar for this, for the game. So I choggle it to female, but the young male presenting body in the character customization does not change. I love that. Cause it's just gender identity. And if I want to change my body type, there is a second ungendered menu that just says body type, and then you can customize it. And the fact that all of this shit is in a Street Fighter game, one of the most recognizable intellectual properties on the planet, and the fact that it's in a AAA game at all is the nicest thing that I have seen in any entertainment in a very long time. It's not drawing attention to it. It's just fucking there. And I couldn't wait to tell you guys about it because I was I was like, wow. Um, somebody said that they were going to do some like they were going to listen to people and ask them what they want to see and if they want to see themselves. And they just did it. And then uh, it's a really cool fighting game. Too. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then the fighting's okay. And then the fighting's cool. And the fighting is really cool. I tried a few of the new characters and they were all really fucking cool. The, uh, the, oh, they, they're, it, one of the weird things is it defaults to what it calls modern controls, okay. which are like super simplified fighting game controls. So you're just sort of using the face buttons and nothing else on the PlayStation controller. But I'll be perfectly honest, like I have 30 years of Street yeah. Fighter conditioning and it just confused the shit out of me. I did not... <laughs> I was not a 72-year-old man on Twitter who was like, I need to <laughs> I need to go to a trusted source to guide me through this. But that's that was it. Like I am I crazy for being as shocked and pleasantly surprised no. by this as no? Like no, it's no, not at all. Because the easiest thing in the world to do is not that. Right? It's not that it's like right. No, uh, this is where we've done it. This is where we go. Right? Like, what's what's hilarious is that it's easier when you're create like parceling stuff. At, like, here's costume things and here's body things to not separate it by anything. Mm-hmm. Like, here you go. Whatever. Here's all yeah. the haircuts. Here's all the but. Like, who cares? It's just to put it all in in one bucket and then let the the player sort it out. That's the easier way. It's it's just that people, you know, have have made it into this political thing. But like, yeah, like just It's not hard. It's not it's really not. You just got to make a choice to do it. And and then I was told that it was difficult to animate women though. Like oh, that's, yeah. that was I was wives, told wives that Gilliman, by, by, by the developers yeah. that it was difficult to do that. But no, like it's I to me it sounds like like executives are finally catching up to like 
what the developers want and like mm-hmm. what the public wants because mm-hmm. i'm sure there are a lot of people internally fighting for this stuff for a long oh, time oh no like, question like 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 you see um oh what's his name uchi koshi the director of like the virtues last reward and the ai games like tweeting about gender identity like th- this has all been there yeah. you know it's just finally Happening. people with the money are going like well the people want it, so go ahead. Which is like cynical, but I don't know. It's happening. I like I, the the. It's funny how uncynical it is, though. Even just like I understand, like they're a business; they want to make money, right? But Eternity's whole spiel, like it is. Yes, it's a beta, but it is flat out presenting you like the whole UI for the game proper. Like just the menu options are closed off. There is no part of that spiel that mentioned currency. It never mentioned, Uh. it never mentioned like, and if you subscribe to the battle pass now, like none of that shit. It was just like, here's a fun place to be and to do stuff. And here's like all this cosmetic shit that you can like get for your character as you play and all of that. And I'm sure that there'll be fucking Doritos crossovers out the wazoo. But None of it's there up front. It's just nice and happy and like fucking gorgeous. Like it just sat like it's just like soft jazz playing. And <laughs> yeah, I was watching someone up. play it today, and yeah, like like what what is this like smooth saxophone music? <laughs> like this, it looks this is it looks cool. Like for the first time in a long time, I'm like seriously interested in giving it giving it a go i just you know what i i I feel like is happening with certain franchises when you okay so 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 as as a as a as a human who has been around for half a century i spent a lot of my life really worrying about other people's opinions like a lot like a lot like a lot and then uh i i got enough actual life under me that I got to the point where I was like I so don't give a fuck this is mm-hmm. how I am this is how things should be and that's what I'm going to do and if you don't like that okay right I feel like fr- like there's certain franchises that are getting to that point where they're just like you know what yeah here we are friends <laughs> and like yeah. Street Fighter 5 I like I you guys have heard me go on this rant so many times over the past half decade. I don't need to reprise it, but like it was so craven and so cynical. Yeah. And so Like it was it was well and it was chasing trends rather than creating them. A right. series yes. that was like yes. that has been at the forefront of the fighting game in in fighting game industry. But like the just the genre scene. like it's a yeah, scene. The scene. Yes, sir. the scene. Um like Street Fighter is it. Like there mm-hmm. are other fighting games, but Street Fighter is the one. And for them to 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 chase the big thing rather than be it, I yeah. think was a lot of what Street Fighter Five's well, biggest problems were. But they weren't chasing anything fighting game. No, they were chasing a monetization model. They were chasing yes. money and like yeah. the perception of investment, like the whole like esports is the future oh. it'd be like motherfucker what horrible 
newsletter did your did your ceo accidentally like subscribe to for five grand a month what what fucking investor grift have you fallen for uh but yeah the director of this was the art director on five and like you know five was i've talked about it with you guys like the the sexualization in five was gross a lot and uh to see like just this this complete reconsideration of that approach, this real consideration that there, there's like a desire to have every type of person playing this game, that it should be for everybody. It's just really cool. This guy, uh, long, long ago, was an animator on like Minish Cap and stuff like that. And to to, to see this being the the sort of end point of you know, like a, like a, a real authorial expression. It's just really encouraging. And it made me really happy. Uh, it's like a video game thing that was uncomplicated and joyful. <laughs> what? Ta-da! <laughs> Ta-da! Yeah, well, I mean, you know, like it remains to be seen whether that translates into the final product. Sure. I But I seeing how this game just just even from a conceptual standpoint is such a 180 from street fighter 5 i don't imagine that like like not that they're gonna not monetize it but i I, hopefully they will find a less gross way to do it it's a 180 from triple a video games broadly like it's it's a denial of everything else uh and I, it just makes me, yeah, I'm excited. Uh, this is not, I want to expressly say to anybody listening to this, I'm not trying to trick anybody. <laughs> I understand that you might be like, you have a criminal past robbing McDonald's, Anthony. You might be, <laughs> try, might be trying to pull some shit. I'm not trying to trick anybody into playing Street Fighter Six so that they get like a face full of like anime boobs or something. It's not what's happening. Nor are Susan and I trying to trick Dave Roberts into watching Star Wars again. We are not. No. It is not a trap. <laughs> it's not a trap, Dave. Admiral Ackbar said it's not a it's trap. Not, it's no, not a trap. No. This time. I, no, seriously. It's fine. <laughs> there is like, you, like doing an Ackbar is really hard to not drift into Nixon. It yeah. really is. It's I mean, there's really... a lot of overlap there. General Organa. So, Andor is a television show about Star Wars based on a Star Wars movie that makes me so angry. But I have now found out that there's a reason that that Star Wars movie makes me angry. Oh, uh, yeah. And is we'll, it Colin Trevorrow? Is it? Is it? It's not. It's not the, 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 old, the of, director of Rogue One. So his inability to make a film that is good. I, we'll 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 get into. I mentioned him earlier, but the showrunner and primary writer of this is a man named Tony Gilroy, and I didn't know his name by name prior to this and it was only when somebody was like oh did you know that andor's made by the guy that made michael clayton yeah i looked it up i was oh, like holy shit he made michael clayton. 
he made fucking Michael Clayton, and it is Michael Clayton, the Star War. Uh, Susan, will you please take Dave on the uh, on on Cassian's wild ride here? Right. So okay. So so Rogue One, the movie, is about our plucky band of criminals off to steal the Death Star plans, and Cassian is a member of that crew. This is the prequel to that. This is how he gets involved with the Resistance, how he eventually becomes an important figure in the Resistance, and we learn a little bit from him from his childhood up onto the, the incident that sets him on the road to being involved with Mon Mothma and all of that. Uh, and it is what if the French resistance happened in space? Just yes. straight up. That is That's just, yeah. what it is. Yeah. It is entirely character based. This is not about pew pew and Jedi's lasers and oh, your religion and none of that. <laughs> none of that is happening. Like, oh, it, like, okay, look, I love, I, I, we all know how I feel about my, my small green son. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and his and his dad, my boyfriend Pedro Pascal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This show is better than that. It is it, well. Mandalorian is a very good at its best because there are some. I think we can all agree that there are moments when the Mandalorian stumbles. Yes, yes. Uh, but here's the, the I love Mandalorian. I love Mandalorian. Yes, but if Baby Yoda. We're not so ungodly cute. The show would just be good. Yes, it would, and and like it is occasionally great. Like yes. the the bottle episode of he and Bill Burr. Don't you point that gun at me, Mando? I like the, the Bill Burr uh, when they try to break into the prison ship is like I I always consider that like perfect Mandalorian episode or like. Uh, the one in season two when it's like the Boba Fett episode in season two, like that's a bad at like, or or um when you meet Ahsoka in season two, like great. Yep, yep. I great mean, episodes. The the show, the moment when Mando takes off his helmet is one of the most emotional moments I have felt in in a dramatic program in some time. Like, and it earns it. It mm-hmm. 100% earns that, right? Like when it is great, it is incredible. There are some moments where it's like, well, this is a this is a fun fun Star Wars show, and that's nice, right? And, right? That's Mando. This is just good. This is it's, a serious character drama. Yeah. About real human beings who fuck and are sad and get hungry and are happy sometimes. And some days are good and some days are bad and they care about human shit. Yep. And like there's against all odds more than one of them. Uh, yeah. And that's the other thing. There's more than one interesting character. There's a scene. There's a scene in one of the episodes. So we, 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 oh, it's just so good. What gives us what gives us the entry point into the imperial side of things is this sort of mental management guy, who there's an incident. Cassian Andor, Andor Cassian, 
Cassian Andor. Andor. Cassian Andor. That's the problem with Star Wars news. Uh, (laughs) He, wrong place, wrong time with some uh, security guards, and he ends up killing them both. No way around it. It's just unfortunate. And this this, uh, member of the security team is like, well, we should investigate this. And we should get the the Empire involved. And his boss is like, bro, look, you you don't want to do that. And here's why, and I'm I'm leaving for the night. And this guy, wanting to make a name for himself, makes it into a thing, and the results are disastrous. Yeah. And so to see everything through his lens, and this is not, you know, some stormtrooper or, you know, not somebody who's going shoulder to shoulder with Darth Vader or all that. It's 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 just a guy trying to get ahead in in his chosen field. And now this rebel has completely torpedoed his career. And like all of these, these tiny motivations you see, and it's like, now I get why people follow the empire, yes. right? Like it's and that sort of. It's also though, like it, it is humanistic in a way that makes the entire concept of the empire and rebellion matter and have stakes again. Yes. Yes. Because it it doesn't fucking matter that you know how this story is going to end or where it's all happening or, you know, uh, uh like blonde-haired blue-eyed Jesus blows up the death ball. Like right. that none of that shit matters because it's not even the rebellion. Right. It is here are people who are on a newly entrenched fascist state that is choking what remains of life everywhere. Slowly. And, like, even the security guard, he's not a fucking imperial officer. Right. He is part of a corporation that is still allowed to operate in these planets independently. And his fuck-up is when a low-level manager from the Empire comes in and is like... I don't even know who Darth Vader is, but I'm shutting this down. Yeah. And fuck you. Now you're now you've got me and my jackbooted nightmares up in your business forever. And like Mon Mothma. Mon Mothma, like I I know there's probably like a cosplayer out there who's like super passionate about Mon Mothma, but like not a fucking character. And yeah. like don't come at me with Timothy Zahn novels. Like nobody gives a <laughs> shit. They're not canon anymore. It doesn't matter. Uh, on screen, <laughs> Mothma is just a soft-spoken, severe lady who's in charge, and that's all we know about her. And, like, within 15 minutes of show, her plight, her motivation, oh, God. her history is so vividly wrought. On Coruscant, a place that has been the stupidest place in movies for 25 years i need i need to talk about i need to talk about this one scene with mon mothma so it's it's as you say it's not the rebellion yet it's a group of people who are fighting the empire and they and they do these little these little things here and there and all that's got to get funded somehow Mm mm-hmm and we find out that Mon Mothma is the one moving all the money around to fund these things. So she has to check in with Stellan Skarsgård and be like, bro, it's, it, you know, the heat's kind of on. It's getting really, it's getting harder for me to move the money around without people noticing. And you see the threat she's under. It's just, and it's just, it's these two 
incredible actors very quietly discussing the reality of the situation and you 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 know immediately how scared she is the risks inherent in what she's doing you know what's going to happen to her if she gets caught and you understand why she's doing it anyway without mm-hmm. any of the you know the pomp and circumstance that other star wars and and the complexity of what she's balancing yeah. because it still is like this is a person with a family yep and they fucking suck. Yeah, they do. But they're also they're also human. Like, like all of a sudden the like disgusting aesthetic milieu that George Lucas insisted on yeah. is given cultural meaning because she lives in this like gilded, you know, world of people with flowing robes, and her husband is this pampered aristocrat yeah. who's just like, you know, I remember when you used to want to have fun. And she's like, you people are fucking dying. Yeah. And he's like, oh, well, you're boring. Like, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm like, that's that's one Ugh. little piece. That's one little piece. And like Stellan Skarsgård, I just, I can't not immediately start imitating Stellan Skarsgård in Goodwill Hunting. Like, Kate won't watch Andor with me anymore because when he walks on screen, I just compulsively just go, what about the boy, Sean? Like every, <laughs> but what about the boy? <laughs> <laughs> but Dave, we talked like Susan and I were talking about this via text, but there's a scene where like all you see of Stellan Skarsgård at the beginning is this fucking hard-bitten revolutionary. He is just like you're coming with me. We're doing this thing. Shut the fuck up. Life matters. Come with me. We're going to fight oh, this. Oh, by the way, I've set explosive traps on all the doors cuz I figured we might need to fight our way out of here. Like, there's this huge firefight going on, and he's like, bro, we got to move. Like, this is a man who does not rattle and has thought of every single possible outcome. Like, this this dude is a warrior. Yes, hard as nails. Yeah. Hard as nails. And yet, when we finally have... Because because filmmakers are in charge of making this. <laughs> and they use scenes to just establish action rather than to be like, look at what we could do with the power of Unreal Engine 5 on an XR stage. <laughs> Fuck yourselves. Look at our AI, Mark Hamill, and he's feeding frogs to his little baby. Fuck you. Stellan Skarsgård is like on his ship. He's going back to Coruscant. And there's just this close-up shot of him opening a case and getting out these giant fat rings. And he's putting on each ring one by one. And then it shows him looking in the mirror and looking at his hair. And all of a sudden he's like fixing this like wig just to like make his hair long and luxurious. And then you see him like practicing smiling, practicing greeting people. And you realize he's just getting back into character. To like go back to polite society and it's 30 seconds susan is it even half if, a minute maybe that if? yeah yeah oh man he's he's putting back on the disguise to go back into amongst where oh life is fine everything is great of course where it like his cover back on coruscant is he runs this high-end boutique of collectibles mm-hmm. that only the richest of the rich can afford of of dead cultures. Of dead of cultures. Like, yeah. He's it, he yeah. It so much of Star Wars is about planets blowing up. Right? Mm-hmm. The the death of of planet like all the planets. 
Andor is about the people who live on them. Mm-hmm. And uh, it it is, to me, it's exactly what I've wanted from Star Wars for a long time because Star Wars it, it, mostly is about heroes. Mm-hmm. You know, Han Solo and Skywalker and Rey, but the heroes. <laughs> but all of those heroes can't do what they do without these people. And these these are the people who are actually in the trenches, who are actually laying the foundation, who are making it possible for this hero to rise and, and do all these things. And like, Jedis are cool. Don't get me wrong. Like, the whole Jedi thing is is great. But there's such power in the story of the person who's like, I don't know if this is going to move the needle at all, but it's worth doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just, oh, God, I just love it. Dave, your, your, your skepticism... I can feel it. I can feel it. it's like a physical. It's like a physical wave. I understand that I'm not trustworthy. I understand that I still maintain an enjoyment of Rise of Skywalker. I know. Oh God. I know I can't be trusted. I mean, it's. It's. I mean, I just I've you know I've seen I've seen Rise of Skywalker. I know and like it's. And it's terrible. It's, it's terrible. terrible. Yeah. And like. I don't know. I don't know if I'm ready to love again yet. That's fair. But, That's fair. Especially yeah. after Book of Boba Fett, which is garbage. I don't I don't know how but, this I don't know how this came out of the same place that made Bo- Boba Fett and Obi-Wan Kenobi. I don't like know. I don't I it's like, so so it's I look I'm really enjoying like She-Hulk. It's fun. Ugh. I like I like my but, butter flavored pop popcorn product uh, as much as the next guy. But like Andor is like filmmaking, like legitimate filmmaking, yeah. and I haven't seen any shit like that on Disney Plus at all. Like I, <laughs> we we just watched the Hocus Pocus two with our son, and you know how like there's a scene in there that immediately made me think of you, Anthony, because you know how like you were yelling about how the the most recent Ghostbusters movie just ends in a Walmart. <laughs> there's an extended sequence in this new hocus pocus 2 movie that just is in a walgreens and it's just it's like my like kais and i were just watching we're just like this is like the first hocus pocus movies not like it's not cinema don't get me wrong and i'm sure a lot of what we brought to it is just ha- having watched it as kids mm. but like we're watching the second one and it's like this is just bad mm-hmm. <laughs> And it's just, it's the kind of thing that makes you wonder if, like, anything good could be made through this platform. Just be, by the nature of the platform, they have to make a lot of stuff. And it mm-hmm. has to be done cheaply. And it has yeah. to be done in a way that they can just overwhelm you with things to do to keep that $10, like, $8 subscription. $8 is not a lot of money to pay a, a month for for the stuff, that for the this endless, like, stream of content that Disney is making. But, <laughs> God damn but I'm gonna watch most, this fucking most of show. It's trash. So I like I just I have to know, right? You get you have to know. I have you to have know, to. and if like even if I nope out after the first episode, then it's like what, like an hour of my life. Fine, I'll watch it. It's just, but hearing you guys talk about it 
makes me like like I know you were ragging on Timothy Zahn earlier, but like it to <laughs> me like it feels like finally realizing the promise of what like Disney has been trying to do with Star Wars since the beginning of them owning it, which is making like produced shows and movies that flesh out the world yep. of Star Wars in the same way that the books did that yeah. I read growing and the games did that I played growing up like playing something like X-Wing Alliance where it's just like a family of like they're just they're trans they, they run a transport agency right they just move stuff back and forth they get caught up in accidentally smuggling some some contraband the empire goes after them main character you whole family gets decimated your entire business is gone and it's just you ending up with the rebellion to fight against the empire very simple story but like very effective and just putting you in the middle of that conflict and like wanting that but them only focusing on han solo luke skywalker even in the like the new movies it's just like yep we like we have to go back to the well because it's all we have it's like but like but it's the kind of thing that makes you wonder like is there a capacity to tell meaningful stories in this universe? But like we've we've had proof that you can, right? It's and, just it, what even I, this is so elevated over that uh, other stuff too. Yeah, you Susan, don't you don't have to know where this is going. No, yeah. Like I I think hanging it on on Cassian gives them a structure and a time period that makes it accessible for the audience. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, we know where this guy ends up. So, okay, now I can, by extrapolation, I know where this is in the timeline. Cool. Because otherwise that's a lot of world building that takes a lot of time. Yeah. But you don't have to know that yeah. to get that, to, to understand the stakes that are happening what's important, why it's important. Like, you get it immediately. I will say when you sit down to watch it, I feel like the first three episodes are the first episode. Oh, just yes. the way just the way they're structured. And totally. they all dropped at the same time. So, like, if you only watched the first one, it would probably feel lacking. Yeah. You gotta... You have to watch the first three, I think. Okay. I agree with that. I just, uh, and the other thing, too, because I saw Rogue One... Those characters, they're so boring. Okay, well, Rogue One it, is... It's uh, such a boring movie. <laughs> Remember the dream! No, like, wait, like, have, how do you I waste have... Forrest Whitaker? Yeah, Susan, uh, Susan, do it, do it. Okay. So, we watched the first... Uh, I hated Rogue One. Hated it. Saw it when it came out. Hated it. Watched the first three episodes of Andor. Loved it and was like, well... I want more of this character, and it won't be out for a week, so I guess we're watching Rogue One tonight. Mm-hmm. With so much separation between the marketing for it and watching it, I enjoyed it much more. I do think the contextualization of this show, and I don't I don't mean like the story, I mean its approach to storytelling and character and aesthetic. Like, like your and, mind can fill in the gaps yes. of the character. So now, the now we can talk about Tony Gilroy. Now we can talk about Tony Gilroy because uh, after watching those first three episodes, and I completely agree, Susan. You, you really should watch all three. Like, just treat it like a ninety-minute movie. You know, when, yeah. when movies were ninety wait, wait, minutes. Wait, 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 wait. 
Each episode's a half an hour. Little, no. Yeah, like a no. little bit extra. They're 45. Oh, okay. No, they're not. It's not a full 45. There's like eight minutes of credits at the end. Oh, that's true. That's absolutely There's true. Like You're eight right. eight minutes of credits. That is true. That is true. So, because uh, they do every single international crew. Uh, that is correct. Credits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, Tony Gilroy, the writer and director uh, of this and showrunner, I was like, who the fuck is this guy? And then, Dave, was it you who was like, yeah, yeah it's it was the guy me. that did we Michael Clayton. Talking, and I yeah. was like, Ugh! and so then I was like, I need to go know more about who Tony Gilroy is. And then he was on uh, the WTF podcast this week. And so I got to like listen to a deep dive about his career. And like, this dude's fucking fascinating. Because he is like a for real old, he's 70 and he's like old school Hollywood scriptwriter whose reputation is half for these sort of big scripts, but then also as a fixer. And so, like, his very first, like, the early days of his career was he joined, like, New Line and Canon Films to be, like, an in-office writer. It's like, we're going to crank out some trash for Chuck Norris in, like, 1990. (laughs) Death Wish 5. Right. Like, that kind of shit. And so, in the mid-90s, he writes Dolores Claiborne. And Dolores Claiborne, if anybody listening to this might be a little young for that, it was this fucking killer movie and it got him like sort of some like bonafides and then he wrote like devil's advocate and other stuff like that meanwhile at the turn of the century he was brought in to fix all the born identity movies so all of those were his scripts that's why i know his name and before he made michael clayton which is like this incredible character drama and thriller he was just Jerry Bruckheimer was just like, do you want to make all the money in the world? And we were talking before the show and me like, and he basically said the same thing. He's like, I will be a prostitute for a lot of money. <laughs> and so he's like, yeah, my wife and I still joke that our house is the house that Jerry Bruckheimer built because all he did for a few years was be the script doctor to make things like function at all mm. for Armageddon and fucking Gone in 60 Seconds and Coyote Ugly and all of it. And then he gets to be, to be, he turns 50 years old and he's like, fuck this, I want to make my dream movie and he makes Michael Clayton. Michael Clayton's the first thing he ever directed and it's perfect. So, fast forward to 20, like 13-ish and Kathleen Kennedy and Lucasfilm at the dawn of the Disney era are like, hey, we've had this thing that one of the people in Lucasfilm wrote and put together a billion years ago, like back in 1993. That's Rogue One. The guy that created Photoshop pitched George Lucas on the concept for Rogue One. They developed a script, and that was what was going on. And then the director, it's not Gareth Edwards, Oh, what what did Trevorrow do? Trevorrow was supposed to do uh, Rise of Skywalker, and they fired his ass. Uh, That's right. So, yeah, Gareth Edwards of uh, Tank Movie and Monsters fame. Godzilla, he also did. Godzilla. The new one. Yeah. Like like the the one with Blandy McBlanderson and... Blandy McBlanderson. From uh, Breaking Bad. 
so they've got it all like they're doing all of like the set building and the pre-visualization they have but it's kind of a mess like they have this old script from the early 90s that has brain octopuses and shit in it (laughs) and they they're like yeah we're gonna do computer tarkin and so kathleen kennedy goes to tony gilroy michael clayton guy and says will you come and fix this will you come and like make rogue one into like a real movie with this director and he's like how long do i got and she's like you have three months <laughs> so the reason that rogue one goes from like oh it was a really tense scene with mez mickelson and uh and a mean guy and then it goes instead to like why don't we throw a easter egg in here of uh you'll be dead guy and walrus man the reason is is because tony gilroy was like i'm gonna hack this Frankenstein's monster together. And now, though, Andor is just from the ground up his thing. Mm. Yeah. I can't believe the guy that did Devil's Advocate is doing a Star Wars. (laughs) Is doing doing this. Because that is the silliest movie ever made. (laughs) Uh, Susan, do you know what they're doing? They are going to do season two. Really? Yeah, they're awesome. gonna do. They're gonna do another one. Good, because um, here's the like, you could take this script, like you could take the scripts. It they don't like. There's nothing inherently Star Wars about anything going on. Nope. Mm. That's that's why it works. Hey, it you just, know what's it also, just happens to be in space. It, you know what's crazy? It turns out that like shooting in real places matters. Uh, what? Isn't that crazy? <laughs> isn't it crazy that like? when not when when you have your characters not in an episode of fucking nick arcade it matters a little bit more oh no it's the evil wizard he's throwing a slime spell at you every now and then there's this clip that goes viral on twitter have you seen it of um what's it ian mckellen no ian mckellen playing gandalf on the set of the hobbit and it's just like there's no one around him. It's just him trying to act, assuming that other actors are going, like the other hobbits are there, but it's all just like a table in a room filled oh, with green. Wow. And he, like, he just, he breaks down. Like he, he can't, like, he's like weeping. Cause it's just like, there's no, there's no acting here. Yeah. It, yeah. yeah. I'll have oh, to, man. I'll have to see if I can find that, that clip. Cause yeah, it is like, it's, and it, it like, it's one of those things where it's like you don't want to be the like the luddite who's like, well, technology's ruining movies, but it's no, technology should be a tool to aid humans to make things that are good. Exactly. And when you overly rely on that technology, then that's all you see. You don't see the human drama anymore, and then that's when you get people walking down a hallway with CGI stuff around them and for three hours in a Star Wars prequel. Like that's. What what if what what if what if I just sat in a chair and then they walk and they talk about stuff? Do, do it faster and more intense. <laughs> do it. What we can really achieve is no nobody will feel anything anymore. The, the, that's the that's my real vision. The power of myth is driving us towards not feeling anything. <laughs> which uh, is what, but which is what Lord of the Rings is. Oh, I, I figured out why I I hate Lord of the Rings so much is because it's all just a bunch of repressed white people. 
Yeah. Yes, that is it. That is all it is. That's it. <laughs> best, ca- okay. best character in Lord of the Rings is freaking Gandalf because he gets mad. He gets mad. He gets annoyed. Mm-hmm. He, he's afraid sometimes. The only relatable characters in that entire franchise are the ones who show any kind of emotion, and there's like three of them. Can I introduce you to 1940s England? <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm not sure it has to be 1940s England. To be frank, yeah, whoa. Uh, uh, I, 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 I. So the the moment watching Andor that like was the first moment where I was like, what the fuck is happening? What is this? Why is it so good? Is uh, after like this horrible inciting incident at the beginning, we get this like shot of a droid going through a town and the droid goes onto a ship and like wakes Cassian Andor up. And this little machine in this short clip dialogue and maybe again, maybe 30, 45 seconds of screen time, you learn everything about like where they're from, how they feel about each other, a whole implied little like world of relationships that surround them and the people they know, and a respect for the actual place and things that you're dealing with. Because the droid is talking to Cassie and he's like, why didn't you come home last night? Like the implication being like, your mother is worried about you. And Cassian just starts talking really fast at him. And the droid says, processing delayed response. Cause it, it's clearly not working great. And Cassian says, I know this is going to be hard and it'll use a lot of your energy but can you tell a lie for me? Respecting the fact that the other character on screen is not human and is a computer and will require processing power. And he says, I need you to say that I was at my friend's last night and that I was at work this morning. And the droid looks down and just goes, that's two lies. And I was like, oh no, the star was is making me feel again. <laughs> it's not just fucking Boba Fett walking into Mohegan Sun and asking to get the comp breakfast buffet (laughs) that's another northeastern thing dude (laughs) Mohegan Sun is a resort and casino Come on down to Big Bubba Boba Fett's. You get rank call rides for the kids. God damn it. All right. Good writing. More good writing. Dio Field Chronicle and Inscription. Susan, you've been playing Inscription. Yes. It was an interesting counterpoint to your experience with Immortality. Yes. Dave, you've been full tilt in the fall of 68 on Metacritic with Square Enix with Dio Field Chronicle. And... The thing, both of you guys were like, the writing in these games is speaking to me. So let's Actually, start with op- no. Oh no, Susan. Yes, I have quibbles with story you, in this game, you have but I'm, with I'm, the story? I'm enjoying it regardless. All right, let's get let's get into this, Susan. Let's start with inscription. Okay. Uh, because I've looked at it even more after you talked about it, like in the Slay the Spireness. Yeah, I get I get a lot of vibes off Inscription. Like I can't play that. I think it'll do bad things to my brain. Wrong. 
No, I can Wrong. do it. Yes, yes. Okay, so it must be said, a lot of the joy of playing Inscription comes from its surprises. If I'm going to talk about it, I am going to spoil certain things. I will I will stay as circumspect as possible, but I will reveal certain things. So if you just want to go, then skip ahead. Mm. Uh, otherwise, so, yes, the basis of Inscription is a roguelite or roguelike uh, uh, card game. Very Slay the Spire. You unlock certain cards as you go. You get a, a, a fresh deck every time you die. Okay. Start off, you are in this cabin playing this card game with this dude. And it's very, very like, okay, let's teach you how to play. And then there are, you, each, each round of the game is a uh, room on the map. And you move from room to rooms in the map, and some rooms are card battles, and some rooms give you the opportunity to add a new card to your deck, or perhaps enhance a card in your deck, or maybe gain an item that you can use that will help you, that sort of thing. And it's really all about learning how to play the game, you know, the back and forth and all of that. And then while you're doing that, one of the cards starts talking to you. (laughs) And that's your first clue, like, what is happening But why are you... Okay. And it plays out. Inevitably, you will lose during this, the opening hour or two because you're learning how to play the game and not everything. It's just not obvious to you yet. It is highly unlikely, if not full-on impossible, that you will make it all the way to the boss at the end of that. You die. The person you're playing against drags your corpse into another room, takes your picture, your you become a card that you can now draw, and the cycle begins again. That's startling. Yeah, it's... <laughs> it is! It, yeah, it's like... And the thing is, too, is that, like, it's presented in such a sinister way. Like, right off, right off the bat, right off the bat... It feels very sense. Even just the the stuff when you like you go to a spot and you're like pick a card, like the the character that you're talking to is just this like shadowy like he's it's just like eyes in the darkness, and like the way that he offers like new cards to you. It, there's a lot of like sacrificing and but like it, it's, yeah like the just the way that he conveys game mechanics to you is very off putting. <laughs> it is it is very. So, but, so you go back and he's like, oh, hmm, lost last time, huh? Okay, well, let's start playing again. And and you start again. And as you start, as you're going through this cycle, eventually you'll realize you can get up from the table and walk around the cabin. And you can interact with stuff in the cabin. And... There's a cuckoo clock that if you can get it open, maybe that will be beneficial for you. And there's a knife on that table. And if you can get the knife away, maybe maybe that's good. And that sort of thing. So your focus is always the game. But there's all this other stuff around you that clearly is is there for a reason. If you can just figure out how to use it. What my partic- my personal personal favorite example of this the, to, the the way the score is kept in the game is with a, uh, a set of scales, a balance. 
And when you score points against your opponent, he drops uh, gold nuggets on your side of the scale. When he scores points against you, they go on your, the other side of the scale. And once the scale tips full on in either direction, that's how you know the game is won. You will have a pair of pliers so that if you're close to winning or maybe just need a little boost, you can rip out your own tooth and drop it on the scale to weigh it down a little bit. But wait, I see your face. Hold on. I haven't gotten to the good part yet. If you figure out how to get the knife free, the knife replaces the pliers. Oh, no. So if you find yourself in a situation where you would like to just put a little bit more weight down on the scale, you can cut out your own eye and drop it. Your host, being a good host, will at that point offer you a replacement eye. One of them looks a little funkier than the rest. He, he, there's an assortment. There's a nice. There's one that like there with looks 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 like a goat eye, and there's another one that has split pupils, kind of like a double yolk and an egg. But then there's one that's kind of green and shiny. If you put that one in, suddenly you see invisible text all over the cabin, like glow in the dark words that you can only see if you put this eye in. So you have to have gotten the knife, decided to use it, and then chosen that eye, and then suddenly all these clues are revealed to you. The game gives none of this away, by the way. You are never nudged to do any of this. It's never like, ho, 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 that knife sure might be helpful. <clears throat> none of it. It's just there. But 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 there, that's, that's what I want to ask about. Because A, all of that sounds fucking insane. <laughs> that sounds fucking crazy and awesome. Yeah. But so on our like on our last episode, we talked a lot about immortality and a lot about how the real pain of immortality was how committed it was to the sort of modern idea of gameplay by way of community. Yes. That you're not going, we're not going to tell you anything about how this interacts or this interacts or these how these systems work or how to access them at all in the game itself, trusting you to go out. The, there's so much in just that basic description of the cycle of play in Inscription that is so inscrutable. Yep. Why... why is this successful at not telling you any of this? Because like, oh, like, like, it, does any does any shit happen if you pull up the goat eye? Are there like other powers that the goat eye would give you? Don't it's know just how. another thing. I don't know. Didn't try it. Oh my god. So the, like, the thing is, you don't you you don't have to do any of that to succeed. The ultimate goal is to beat this guy at the card game. And There's, that's it. That's it. And all of the stuff that you find in the cabin, all the secrets, all of the puzzles, inform the overarching story and also make it easier for you to beat him because a lot of what you're doing is uh, finding powerful cards. But you don't need any of it. So why did you decide, like, what was the circumstance that 
made you get up from the table at all? The first time you get up from the table, you you are prompted to do so. You are prompted to get yes, up from the, the table. Yes, the very right, first so time. Like a, yes. Explicit. Yes. You can do this. Here is a thing. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Go, go right. get me this thing from over there. Sure. Sure. Yes. Sure. Yes. But then after that, I don't. I don't believe. Then after that, uh, you are given a few nudges from the cards that start talking to you, <laughs> uh, but nothing like, "Hey, go, go unlock this, go pick up that eye." Nothing like that. There are secrets in the cabin I never solved. So you've beaten it. Oh yeah, you've beaten Wait, it. There is so so what like. Cause there's the, the the and the thing that's so hard to talk about this is that I like yeah. I want to talk about this with Susan, but I don't want to like spoil it for everyone else because there's a way to like I, I think you can beat the game and then just keep playing the game over, but then there's a way to beat the game and then there's more stuff. Did you see the more stuff? Yes. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, like because that's the thing. Like it it at first it very much reveals itself to you as just like a standard roguelike card battling game correct then you finish what i will call chapter one let's say yes and there's more yes yeah i thought it was okay so it's like slay the spire you beat the three levels and then there's the fourth big boss like each level has its own boss at the end. You beat those three, and then there's the ultimate boss, and you beat that, and you have finished the game. That is incorrect. <laughs> no. That is not new. No. You do that. And I, and I say that because uh, it was so challenging to get to that, that ultimate, you know, the uber boss. It was really hard. It, I played a lot. I played hand after hand after hand, like over and over and over and over, and I would get really, really close. And uh, no, and then and then once you do that, once you beat the the Uber boss, something happens <laughs> that that makes you go, "What? I don't. I thought I was I I thought I was playing a card game. What is happening? What?" And then Act Two begins, and it is a completely different experience. Okay. Let, um. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's spoiler tag this because I need to know okay. what happens. I yeah. got like okay. I, there's no I I my backlog has backlogs at this point. Fair enough. So fair enough. Fair enough. So you 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 beat the dude. And you are kicked out to what appears to be a collection of video clips. And you turn it on, you you, you play the first one and it's a YouTuber who uh, who plays collectible card games and he's like hey guys we're gonna crack some packs i'm hoping to get this new card yeah okay and it's him in his house with his green screen going through packs how many hours like, how many hours in is this like how like, I, but like I mean, multiple right six, like, oh, yeah, six multiple. to eight hours yeah 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 <laughs> So, uh, so as you go through the videos, then he's like, hey, guys, really cool uh, video for you today. I found these at a garage sale, and he's going through unopened packs of inscription cards. He's like, oh, yeah, I think there was only ever one season of this, and these look sealed, and that's awesome. So let's check them out. Boop, boop, boop. 
And so it begins this sort of meta story about him trying to find out where these cards came from, what happened to the company that made them. Soon there's a, a, he gets in touch with the company. He's like, hey, what? what?" One of the cards has coordinates written on it and it's near his house. So he goes to the coordinates and he digs up a floppy disk. He's like, what? It's the video game version of Inscription. Never and he takes it home and he's like, what, whatever, what? He gets in touch with the company. He's like, hey, did you guys ever make a video game version? And they're like, I'm sorry, what? Where did you get that? Where did you find that? Someone shows up at his house. Oh, so you have the, vi- we're going to need that right now. I don't know what you're talking about. What? What? And now we're into act two of the game. And now you're going to go back to playing card games. But it's different. It's a little like everything's like it's the same similar mechanics, but it's presented in a whole different way where instead of it being this like creepy black room inside of a cabin, it's now like a 2D adventure game. Like Zelda. Yeah, like Zelda. And you're doing and like the the card mechanics are very similar, but they're also like very it's a completely different. different deck of cards. Yeah, you're using like before you would have to sacrifice a, a card to play a card. Now you need enough energy to play a card because it's all computer based. And yeah, the only thing I have heard of in video games that's even remotely like this is near, like near, like the original near, like when that came out. Because that is like, you played an action RPG, you beat it, there are the credits, and then it's like, start again, and then it's like a text adventure, and it's, but even that isn't even close to as bizarre as this is. It's so strange. The heart of it, what you are doing to make progress is always playing the card game. Why isn't, why aren't more people talking about this? Like, what? They did when it came out on PC. When it came out on PC, it was, there was a, which is the only reason why I knew about it was because people were talking about it. But the thing is, nobody wants to spoil it. Yeah. Yeah, And I think I I tried talking about it a little bit on the show when it came out. And yeah, it's just, it's so hard to talk about with it because the the whole point of the game is to experience those moments for yourself. Because if you have it ruined, you know, like, it's like, the magic is gone um, because it is a good card game, but the card game is not the point of it, but Correct. it's sold as a card game. Yeah. Like it was, it, yeah. When I started playing it, I'm like, okay, it's slay the spire, but, it, but, but weird because the cards talk to you. Okay. No, that's not <laughs> it. That's not it at all. And there's all these secrets to find and they all create this, over, they all contribute to this overarching narrative and lore about the card masters and 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 the original version of the card game inscription and how it was created and why they want to shut it down and it's it's I mean the main story is just banana pants but also it's the it's the finding of it that's fascinating does it just continue to escalate like it does it or like are there three acts are there five acts so there are uh four so there's the cabin and then there's the 2d and then there's computer world 
and <laughs> the computer world. The computer world. Yep. And then, and then there's the the like an the ending. So that's not really a world per se. So it's 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 like three and a half acts. Cool. Yeah, and it's the the stakes are escalate. Like again, you're just playing cards. The and the mechanically, and what's really nice is. You've learned the mechanics, the ebb and the flow of the game. So what is changing every time is the specific cards that you're using. Like the the when you're in the cabin, it's all animal based. You uh you know you 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 have a um a squirrel, and if you let a wolf eat a squirrel, you can play the wolf. It's like that. So that in in uh, with another deck, it's all about gems. Do you have enough of the right color gems? With another deck, it's about do you have enough energy uh, points to to play things. But you understand cards have costs. Better cards cost more. This is how they interact with each other. You've learned all that in the cabin, and so you can adapt to these different decks very very easily. So then what matters is where are you doing it why are you doing it what are the what are what are the secrets you can uncover who is who is manipulating you and why it's nuts i think i need to play this and, and, I'm be- like, and between I, I, between each act you get more video clips i think i need i think i actually need to now do this because it is coming to switch too yeah, all right. Yeah, it is. Yep. Yeah. All right. That's... And this is why I said you could do it is because there is a there is a definitive ending. There is right. a point it's at a... which you are done the game. It's also like not like repeat it over and over. It's not like Slay the Spire where it's just like run it again. Do yeah. it. You'll feel good. You'll your brain will feel great. Run it again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, you are you are playing the game to reach a specific goal. Yeah. Okay. I'm in. I'm. I'm very in in every single way. Uh, do the video is it? Does it stick with the YouTuber, or does that also change? It's, it's the YouTuber. Nope. It's you. Just learn more of the story. Man, I, like I love. I love getting to see cultural detritus turn into new art forms, like. I love that the people who made this clearly like were reading, you know, creepy pasta shit on something awful in 2006 and the early days of YouTube and loved magic and shit like that and was like, why don't we take all of these things and turn it into something that is completely well, unlike anything else? And the th- the thing is, too, is like this game is like it's it, as like, I think he's done other stuff, but the two big ones that came before this were Pony Island and The Hex, which are both like when you combine that with the inscription, you can chart a direct line where he's just this guy who makes these games has always been interested in like making fake video games that feel real, but then also going like, what if the video game was evil? <laughs> and what if you, the player are being directly manipulated and fucked with by the video game? Like Dude, Pony didn't Island. You, didn't you talk about the hex on the show? Uh, I don't know if I talked about the hex. I didn't like 
like it's good, but it's it's definitely like a sophomore slump as far as like mm. like between sure. Pony Island and like he's trying to do more, but it's still like it leans on a lot of tropes because I mean it is it's about a bunch of like failed video game characters convening to meet at this like this tavern and you get to play as each one and each one plays a little differently, but it's all within this like side scrolling sort of milieu and like they all you know some characters are like super popular still and others are like well my franchise died so like like <laughs> just dealing with the weird ennui that comes with that like it's it's interesting for sure but it's definitely like it's not as mechanically enjoyable to play as inscription because that's that's the biggest difference here is that not only did he make a game that is just full of weird shit but the core of it, the actual playing of the cards, like it could have just been that. It could actually, and yeah, it would have been fine. <laughs> I think you should play it. Like yeah, the the I will say the the boss in the cabin is the most fully realized. Okay. Yeah. Or the yeah because because that the way the map progresses each of the three underbosses that you have to fight each one has their own distinctive attack which is when you first encounter it like oh god oh okay i'm okay and i don't feel like in the later chapters that's it's just it would it would require a little more tweaking like it's it's fine sure but it's just not as fully realized as a card game. But yeah, you could 100% just release that opening card game and call it a day. But it seems also that like the priority of the game itself changes after that first section. Like the char- like the priority becomes like the mystery, right? Yes. yes. Yeah, rather yes. than mechanically asking a lot of you. Man, yeah. it's I keep thinking about what you, you were saying about immortality and how like fascinating video game structure but to what end because of all of this like even the quality of the movie making is just not up to snuff and i don't know like i (laughs) i haven't played immortality i can't speak to it but sometimes it feels like big ambitious things like that are almost embarrassed about what they are a little like it's like i'm a little embarrassed that i'm a video game and not a movie, so I'm going to try and be more than both. I'm going to try I, to like. I, 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 I don't think that's its problem. I think, I think Sam just. I think he may think that stuff like a murder mystery is a little beneath him. Sure, there. Okay, that's and that's. I think that that is kind of what I'm trying to verbalize yeah. from the yeah. outside. Whereas this is so. Uh, cognizant of the strengths of its medium in every way that it's like i have these tools and i am going to deploy them in an impossible like uh the good like uh adrian blue like the old guitarist for king crimson he's like i didn't know it wasn't fucking supposed to sound like that i just tuned my guitar the this way and just started making noises and this is this is a real i just started making a video game and started making noises with video game parts that's fascinating i'm i'm glad i see if you didn't spoil it i probably wouldn't have played it 
If you were like, yeah, it was a really cool card game and it was really good. And then it did these cool tricks with the environment and then it turns into something else. I would have been like, neat. Okay. I'm gonna <laughs> Let me go play a JRPG. I've already played a million fucking times. <laughs> that is I'm, exactly how that would go. Because yeah. I'm, I'm scum. Yeah, that's uh, that, but that's what makes it so hard to talk about is that like you want you want because again like the the draw it, like the, the card game is just part of it the draw is like pulling those threads but you can't talk about the threads without talking about the threads well <laughs> let's talk about the word generator uh program that square enix developed oh in God. 1987 and every now and again they'll put a few prompts into the word generator and they're like horse guys Kings and Queens. <laughs> and it's just like, do your field chronicle. And uh, it's, fu- it's funny because you say that, like, one of the first notes that I wrote down about this game was the story feels like it was written by an AI botnet. Yay. <laughs> yeah. Do you guys remember Smarter Child? Have you ever, do you guys ever interact with Smarter Child? Smarter what? Child was in a, a very primitive uh, aim machine learning oh, script. I, oh, this I, rings I, a vague bell. Yeah. yeah. And like a very primitive machine learning script from like 2004 and you could carry on weird sort of primitive uh, aim conversations with Smarter Child. But uh, even the name Diofield Chronicle feels like something that would have come out. With a capital F. Inexplicably. Yeah, with a capital F. So Susan, you bounced off the demo for this, correct? I did. I I see the appeal. I was. I'm just not in the mood for that kind of. I wanted to be able to ease into the combat with like, okay, turn base, got it. And this was not that. This is a whole other thing. I still don't even understand it. I have the cart because I was like, that shit looks real weird, and I want to support <laughs> this. I want to support these life choices. Uh, all right, so Dave, like, yeah, what is deal? <laughs> What is Andiofield? <laughs> what is Andiofield? So Diofield is the name of an island that the that the events of this game take place on. It's a continent island. Like, like what if England was bigger? It's where <laughs> Ronnie James Dio, Ro- Ronnie what, James Dio, lives diminished and went into the West. And Dio and, from is JoJo. Is that a JoJo reference? I don't know from anime. <laughs> the, the, the one everyone's like, it was me, Dio. Like that joke. Anyway. Uh, so I'm going to, I'm going to say a bunch of names and you're going to go, yep, those are Square Enix names. So <laughs> it takes place on the island continent of Diofield. There's a conflict between the Trollvelt Chauvian Empire. Yep. There it is. Okay. And the Rotel Alliance. Yes. Uh, Rotel. you play as, yeah, Rot- R-O-W-T-A-L-E. Amazing. Rotel Alliance. Uh, you play as a mercenary group known as the blue foxes uh there's a noble his name is duke hende who is basically your like your benefactor he gives you money tells you to go do mission like you're largely independent but sometimes he's like hey i need you to do something for me so do it um the four main characters names are amazing Uh, i mentioned them on a previous episode of the show but i'm going to repeat them here so you the main ish character is andreas ronderson <laughs> who was previously a royal bodyguard and he's like your your fast nimble dagger guy there's fredrett lest huh? yeah big me- <laughs> <laughs> 
there's uh there's uh stunk chunkman there's uh no, uh, no, no. you made that one up uh bob johnson uh there's frederick lester uh who is uh andreas's friend he's your standard horse knight guy uh there's iscarian colchester which no. just no just rolls off the tongue like uh like uh <laughs> just like a like a warm like caramel just like Iscarian colchester sounds like a very bad kind of old united kingdom soup like <laughs> hey, yeah, back, you know. back in the wartime we had to subsist primarily on Iscarian colchester <laughs> um, like spotted dick yes yes, <laughs> yes. yeah very much uh, he's your bow and arrow guy. He's a former noble who uh, is growing fond of concepts of democracy, whereas your horse knight guy is very like, monarchy is cool. So there's some conflict there. And then there's Walter Quinn Redditch. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? Walter Quinn Redditch. I, like yep. I said, like it's like it is like everything about this game was just. I love it randomly generated by an AI. Well, and she's she's a noble woman mage who joins your party. Uh she's very haughty. She's got an a, a bit of an attitude. Uh but she also harbors some deeper secrets that you don't discover until later in the game. I won't spoil, but um the this is probably the best 65 out of 100 game <laughs> I've played in a long time. Uh just because like I I lo- I do like games like that, but that you play something like Disaster Report or whatever, and you're like, I appreciate this game. This is mechanically unfun to play, but I kind mm. of love it. The thing about Dio Field is that it feels like it's like seventy five percent of the way there, and if it had more time or more money, I think they could have made something better. Uh, and the biggest problem is the story. The gameplay has hooked me more than the story has, but. The problem with the story is that it is extremely dry and very passive because mm. it is told almost exclusively in cutscenes in which a narrator speaks over maps and still uh, hand-drawn images of events. And uh, there's just a lot a lot of the, the descriptions of events that are happening are like, was captured by. What, it's just it, like it, it feels so detached and pulled all the way out. Like, the, like, I get what they're trying to go for. Like, it's like a war documentary or, like, recounting of events or something. Question. But it just... Is, is the narrator talking about stuff your characters are doing? Yeah, like, basically... Oh. So, the yeah, the way that it... The structure of the game is you get a cutscene. Initial cutscene lays out sort of the events of the initial state of the Empire and this conflict that's going on. And then you do a battle. And then the battle resolves, like your characters will have some dialogue, something happens. And then once the mission is over, it pulls out again and it's like, okay, and here's what happened following the events of the battle. Your characters meet another character and they form a mercenary group known as the Blue Foxes. There are two rival dukes who are vying for control of this, this island nation. And so your your benefactor tells you to go off on this mission and and do this and it's like like to set the stage it's okay but like that's like mm. 
eighty percent of the story is told this way. So like there there are just events that happen that if it's zoomed in and actually showed them would be very impactful and meaningful. But when it's basically shrugged off with like two lines, like the Empire has invaded. You're like, well, why? What? Like I like I know they're the evil Empire, but like what? Like give me the like we were talking about this with Andor. Like give me the humanity with this struggle. Don't just make everything sound like you're a detached historian. So just telling I, the story at me. It's like it's like you went to the movies and and had to leave to go to the bathroom, and you come back in. You're like, what happened? And you're like, okay, so the Death Star blew up Alderaan. Yeah, like like it's okay. So the, an, another analogy similar to that, like you know the intro to the Lord, the, the first Lord of the Rings movie, where it's like ten minutes of Gladriel explaining how like the ring came to be. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. What if that was the whole game or the whole movie? <laughs> what if that was how all of the events and occasionally you get like a scene of like Samwise and and uh, and Frodo like talking or like running away from the Nazgul. Oh, wow. And then that happens. Yeah. And yeah. then it zooms back out again and Galadriel starts talking again about how they met up with the Fellowship and talked about going off to destroy the One Ring together. Like that that's I, I really the- wonder I really wonder Dave if you hit the nail on the head right out the gate by being like if they had had more time they would have been like time or money I, I don't so I, I like as you're talking about this I was like I need to know who made this shit like, like who specifically on the staff was in charge of this and they are people with sort of established credits but not a lot in terms of directing or you know uh, like it, it seems like the directors on this game had a concept and were given a shot Be like yeah. here's a chance to make something i also am told that it pretty much seems like this was a lead developed on switch situation like this was gonna be a switch exclusive and then they were like, no, let's put it on everything else. Yeah. And like, honestly, in some ways, that's to its benefit. I will say it like the the lack of textures in just the overall character art is like, it's fine. It's a look. But when you combine that with the really stilted animations and just like sure. dead eyes of the character, it feels unfinished. Yeah, it, like it, it gives it. But it runs really well. Like it runs like butter on, on the Steam Deck. Uh, this is I very will, w- weird. Like, I just want to throw this out there, considering our conversation before recording today. The person who wrote all of this is the person that wrote Fire Emblem Awakening. Huh. Which is very, Hmm. very strange, (laughs) considering the timing. Just to contextualize that, just before we started recording this, everybody, Susan texted me and Dave was like, y'all know that Fire Emblem is a tactical game? And we were like, "Uh uh-huh. And she was like, I thought it was just shipping bullshit, which I can totally (laughs) understand why that would be. But Fire Emblem Awakening was the game that like brought the shipping stuff in 10 years back on 3DS. And it is a very well-written game. Um, And I will say like when the story has time and room to breathe, when events happen and you get to see them, it's good. There are yeah. cool moments here, and uh, it, I just, I just wish that this they. This is sounding budgetary to me. Yeah, yeah. 
It's it's yeah. like here's the amount of money you have. Yeah. Here's the amount of time you have to deliver a like viable product. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's fun though. But, like, yeah. like, put all so, the writing aside. So like, the the smartest thing about this game is that it knows when to shut the fuck up. Yeah. Unlike Triangle Strategy, which like I do want to go back to it. It's coming to PC, so I'll play it on Steam Deck. But like, man, those first four hours of that game fucking sucked. It's, it's the worst. Just, it's the worst it, demo you, ever. You made. Play, yeah, you play three missions, and they're they're buttressed by forty five minutes of people just talking about nothing like that's not what i want either um so you'll get a cutscene, and then you'll get a chance to run around your little base and you can talk to people with side quests or um unlock additional side missions on the map uh which will give you additional gear or money to buy gear or upgrades for your like your summons and um weapon upgrades that sort of thing the actual missions are like they're it's like real-time strategy it's like think of it like like warcraft 3 which focused like focused a lot more on individual heroes so you have like uh really powerful characters that you control that have special abilities and like hp and all this stuff whereas like warcraft 3 also had the base building and the unit control and stuff like that that's all gone so really you're just focusing on four up to four heroes in a given mission and each one has its own set of strengths and weaknesses. There's like, you have your sword guy, you have your horse guy, your mage, and your uh, arrow guy. And the way that you interact with the game is there are you know, enemies around the map, and you press the A button, and it brings up a little uh, cursor that you can you basically draw a line to where you want your hero to go. And they run there in real time. Like, it's not turn-based or grid-based. Um, and uh, you can do that with all of your characters. So you can maneuver them on the on the map to like flank enemies, use your skills to to stun enemies or magic or set area of effect spells. And it's really quick and snappy. Like the one of the things about this game is that each mission has a main objective. It's pretty basic most of the time. It's just like kill every enemy or um, escort someone across the map or some something. And if they die, it's mission over. Uh, but then there are sub-objectives, and the, again, the most of those are pretty simple, but it's like, finish the mission in under six minutes. So, like, each mission, if you're doing well, like, will be over really quickly. So it's just really fast, quick hits of, like, interesting tactical setups and maneuvering characters and spaces. You finish it, it's over, you get a quick burst of story you upgrade your stuff you're back in there so it, like it really does create this really interesting and compelling loop of find out what happened play another mission you know get that little crunchy tactical combat feel you, you know get back out upgrade stuff go back in it's like that has what's been pulling me through is is it just fun to like would like can you just jam like skip the story <laughs> Like I, you, you probably you probably could. Like, yeah. uh, it's really easy to skip through like the text boxes. I don't know if there's like a cutscene skip. Uh, I will say having that context is nice, sure. but but also like I'm here for the combat. Like the story, the story is like nice to catch up on. But I'm here because I get to press the pause button and then activate a move which causes my horse guy to send out a line of other horse guys that push. <laughs> enemies back 
across the field, which then sets up my mage to hit them with, you know, uh, a meteor strike on Take them. Take this then, lion of horse, guys. Yeah, and then when I <laughs> when I um, get enough of the blue meter, as you kill enemies, you get a meter that fills up. I summon Bahamut, and it just kills everyone. It's like I think the biggest thing problem with it is that Square Enix is charging sixty dollars for a game that probably shouldn't cost sixty dollars, especially yeah. given you know the level of budget and polish to mm. the entire experience. It is. I'm having int- a good time with it though. It's very strange to see the price put on a video game that you can buy in a store these days. Because there are still occasionally, especially on Switch, you will encounter like $50 games. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. Like, it's like new. Like, at release, it's $49.99. Like, um, I think Live Alive was 50 Live Alive was 50 And it's very weird that Live Alive was 50 and this is 60 Because Live Alive, yes, might not look at first blush like the most technologically advanced thing but it clearly took a ton of work to make it what it is um susan was any of this like snappiness of the combat like apparent in the demo out the gate or did you you have to like push to that no 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 it is i mean it just drops you right in it's just the for me the controls were so unusual Mm. because there aren't really limits on how far you can travel for example okay like you draw the line to where you want to go and if that doesn't get you far enough you draw another line until your person ends up where they're supposed to be if you want to flank somebody go run around behind them right so and the the way these are explained is not great or it wasn't for me it it just was not yeah it's... It, it did not click with me immediately but once i was like oh no i could just go up and do the thing i got it but Mm. it 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 was not so yeah snappy it wants you to just get in there and do your thing um but it was it was just a little too odd for me (laughs) it's very weird to hear all of this because rather than jump into dio field chronicle after finishing xenoblade which we don't ever need to talk about xenoblade 3 again guys we just (laughs) We can move Did you on finish? You finished it though. Oh, I went the distance. I went oh, the distance. Was and it in the worth fi- it? In the final boss, I was setting the switch down like this, and then doing the dishes. It's not a bit. Oh. I literally unloaded my dishwasher and cleaned my kitchen while the final boss played out. Okay. A lot of very good things. I'm glad. Uh, I can't finish that sentence. I'm I, like it doesn't matter. <laughs> but I decided I decided I had Diofield Chronicle and Valkyrie Elysium sitting here because I've decided to just get everything in the summer of '68 on or fall of '68 on Metacritic from Square Enix, and Valkyrie Elysium is like it's that experience of playing something where I'm so grateful that I never have to write another review at like a gaming outlet ever again because I. I know that my impulse would be like, 90 out of 100, motherfucker. <laughs> this shit's really fun. <laughs> that's what, that's like, that's how I felt about reviewing Final Fantasy XV. Like, objectively, I'm like, this game is a mess. Right. Yeah. But I a, love it. But I, yeah. And like, <laughs> in Valkyrie Elysium, it's obviously a very different game. It's like sort of an action, it's like an old style PlayStation 2 
3D action game. Comp- compare it to something for me. Uh, do you remember Shinobi on PS2? Yeah. Or like, like I'm trying to think, like, because comparing it to Bayonetta is too strong. Like, sure, ba- yeah, Bayonetta is like yeah. that's too strong. There's too much okay. structure there. I, I get Shinobi. <laughs> I like, you, okay. you know, I mean, like, like the PlayStation 2 reimagining of Rygar, like, shit like hey, that, that. That game is tight. Yo, that game is tight. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Mark of Cree? Uh, not that unique, because it's very, Kay. like, just, like, pound the A button and, and do it. some shit. Got it, Okay. But, like, you know, all there is is, like, this, like, like pompous, grand... Uh, monologue about the, the gods, the Valkyries, the beginning, and then it just like is like here's a tutorial. The tutorial goes on just a little bit too long, but then it's just like, and now you're out there, motherfucker. There's monsters in a desolate, barely textured castle. Get after it, and boy, rolling around as this poorly animated lady is such a good time. <laughs> it's just smooth <laughs> and fluid, and it's like I got a new sword. Let's see how this one goes. And now I have a rapier. Uh, I and I'm sure that people on Metacritic were like 60 out of 100 uninspired and dull and I'm like do you not know what fun is Uh, (laughs) but yeah I don't I don't know God only knows what's going on at Square Enix where they're like we just cram it out yeah what if we just made unfinished PS2 games for six months (laughs) I don't know. And they're delicious. Yes. <laughs> they're all delicious. <laughs> yeah. Not, like, yeah. And then, like, thinking about, like, what's coming next. So then you have Star Ocean, which I, I reviewed that last one. Yeah. That's, and like... This is, this is that's not like spe- that. That's, that's like, like an MST3K movie in video game form. <laughs> <laughs> that last one. So I'm very excited to see what they do with this. I, I then, played the demo, and it's actually like uh, this is a strange thing to say, but it's like a game. It's like a, it's like I'm not saying a high budget game, but it's like nice. Okay, th- that that first one or that last one also felt like a game until you got 20 hours in. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, and then yeah, then like Harvestella, which I think like you yeah. played a little bit of that demo, right, Susan? I played several hours of that. How yeah. was that? Yeah. Yeah. It's a weird How- game. Yeah. I like I feel Susan I feel like we need a whole like segment to talk about that demo at some yeah, point. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that would be good. Because yeah. if there are so many good ideas and talk about a fall of 68. <laughs> yeah, it just does not it, it does, does not, not congeal. It does not. Does not congeal. Uh maybe maybe I don't know. Maybe it does, but like that's a long ass demo too. It's like a lot of game. It's, it's the first several chapters. Yeah. So yeah, it's like it. You give the game a fair shake. Yeah. And, and, and the two halves just don't go together. They just a don't. Of, a lot of interesting parts too. Like, yes. Yes. A lot of really interesting nuggets and. But like, there's like a job system and the the, the farming and there's like an almost. Uh, it's not rogue like, but like there's a. You know, that sort of style of, like, you push into a dungeon, but then you can only get so far. And yeah. You, like, open up work points. You got to go back to base. And it's weird. Weird. It's weird. really weird. Yeah. Like, you're supposed to, okay, you need to go find such and such at, at, at in, in this forest. Okay. So, I go into the forest, but 
you can only go so far. And people people are telling me, well, like this is exactly like Stardew Valley. You can only achieve so much in a day in Stardew Valley. Yeah. Not the but same. It's not the same because Stardew Valley doesn't have this kind of emphasis on combat yeah. and combat related stories. Like going into the mine. Yeah. It's, it's just not the same. It's very strange. And it feels it, like it, it, it's very reminds me of ye olden PS1 days with Square. Like the 3D combat is like you swing a sword, like the sword swings a little bit after you've pressed the button. Yeah. <laughs> the impact sound effect isn't as nice as you want. It's real Secret of Mana vibes. Yeah. But Harvestella, even that demo man there's like some 13 year old that's gonna play that and it's gonna blow their fucking mind because they've never played anything else like it uh (laughs) susan i don't know if you had this experience but at the very beginning when it just like goes completely off the rails you're like this isn't a harvest thing there's a spaceship crashed into the farm that's the thing the ideas are really cool like i want to know what's going on i want to find out what's happening with these with these characters and the game puts so many impe- like take away the farming and I can do the whole oh you have to push a little further into the dungeon sure. every time great or leave the farming and you can complete a dungeon in a day either one both no thank you yeah it's al- it's almost like I wish you could like I would play that game if you could automate the farming yes like yeah. just I don't want to even just let me ignore it and then go over here uh, Jesus, guys, we've been recording for two hours. This is yeah. a me- this is a meaty one. Uh, <laughs> this is a- <laughs> this is what this is what happens when we start with stories about theft. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, very quick inscription. Deep recommend. That's like an absolute play inscription to everybody. Yes. Deofield Chronicle play maybe. If Try you know what it. you're getting into, but if it sounds up your alley, you'll probably dig it. Watch Andor. That's that's definitive yeah. for this one. Dave, who is Ste- at Steal fault? the banner from McDonald's. Ste- don't, steal the banner from... Don't do that. Guys, they can't replace that. They can't write back to corporate. Although maybe they changed policy after 1998. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Agnello clause is in the... They have to add it to the contracts. Anyway, Patreon backers, <laughs> patreon.com slash continue podcast. You can support the show, come hang out in our Discord, uh, and also at the $10 level and above, I'll give you a shout out on the show, which I'm going to do right now. Special thanks to Josh Jamie Souza, John Belf, Toast, Adam Gauntlet, Michael Coffey, The Fancy Manatee, Stormshot, Double Taco, Matthew Peters, Denton Brock, Lutney One of Seven, Eric Van Quill, Frank Sands, Tyler Nilsson, Shane Nilsson, Yaddle, Ryan Brady, Jacob Christos, Chris Cook, Christian Fisher, Skip Dippity, Canonical, Tom Coveney, and Nick Rugan. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all very Thank much. You. Uh, it is your it is your backer dollars that purchase things like Valkyrie Elysium, which man, that game's held together with duct tape. <laughs> uh, yeah, you go to patreon.com slash continue podcast. You can you can throw us a buck. Every single dollar helps support the show, pays for our server costs, uh, or also you can just introduce it to more people. Some people tell us they're shared the show with their cat in the car. 
Uh, that's my favorite. <laughs> yes. It's my favorite tweet about our show in recent memory. It was somebody forcing their cat to listen to <laughs> <Nah>. us. <laughs> <laughs> that poor cat. Uh, <laughs> you can uh, also follow us uh, at various places. Dave, where can the people follow you? You can follow me on Twitter at David Robots and on Twitch, twitch.tv slash continue podcast. I did stream The Bouncer. I finished that game. That game ends with a slow jam that I do need to send both of you. Oh, nice. shit. Uh, yeah. Nice. Like, like a legit slow jam. Um, that game was bad. Anyway, um, <laughs> no, I'm probably going to be streaming every set not every set like don't hold me to it but like saturdays i think is a good day for streaming so follow the follow the channel you'll get notified when i go live i usually play whatever weird old shit i could think of so commodore 64 we'll find a way oh my, yeah i i mean that thing's got composite out there i got go. a retro tank i can <laughs> i can make that happen susan where can the people find you uh you can find me on twitter at susan aren't uh, it is afternoon baking with Susan time, so I may start uh, finding ways to share that particular activity. With but it's everybody. also Susan Ween. It's Susan. It Ween. is also Susan Ween. I am currently, if you if you look for hashtag Susan Ween on Twitter, you will find I am recommending a spooky season movie a day. I am trying to run the gamut of recognizing that. People are sensitive to gore and and uh, that kind of thing. I'm giving a brief description and a gore rating for everything that I recommend. And I am running the gamut. The closer we get to Halloween, the nastier the suggestions are going to get. <laughs> so everything to this point has been relatively safe. That's awesome. I like that. Um, you can follow me at a John Agnello on Twitter. And I guess uh, on the next episode of this show, I'll be a gainfully employed by IGN.com. I don't even know what to deal with that information. There it is. I don't know, man. Seven out of ten. (laughs) (laughs) Beats more water. Bam. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this. There it is, everybody. Um, It won't be very public facing, but I'll just be there. You'll know I'm there. <laughs> it's happening. All right, everybody. We'll see you in two weeks. Goodbye. Goodbye, Bye. everybody.